Well, good morning. I was told to say that my, my name, my name's Harry Stevie. I was told to introduce myself, so that's who I am. Um, but I come today to speak on a subject that pertains to no one in this church today. No one in this church, but maybe somebody you know, relative, a friend, you can help as we explore what the scriptures had to say about this issue. This issue is worry. Well, I heard that snickering. I heard that snickering. So we're going to explore the subject of worry today because I think it applies to a lot of us. And certainly Jesus had a lot to say about it because on the Sermon on the Mount, he dealt with this, this subject in quite an extreme way. So if Jesus was thought it was that important, then I think it's that important to us. So as we look in the scripture this morning, we're into uh, Matthew, the chapter, chapter 5, chapter 6, excuse me, and verse 25. It begins with this word, therefore. And we know when we see in the Bible the word therefore, we have to back up and see what it's there for. And in this case, it's about, of all things, money. Money. Now, why would Jesus talk about money before he talks about worry? Is it because he knew that a lot of those issues we had would concern money? I don't know. But he might have. And it's also interesting to note that Matthew, who of course wrote his own book, was a tax collector. And uh, we know tax collectors were not the most favorable people on earth. Because their means of making a living and doing their business was, uh, for instance, if you owed $100 in tax, they would charge you $150. And uh, that's where they actually made their living then. So they weren't real favorite people or like people in their society that day. It's also interesting, though, that Matthew, when he became a follower, Matthew, uh, he just, he was all in with Jesus when he became a follower. Uh, they weren't, if you ever seen any of these chosen movies uh, been on television, uh, I always liked the character of Matthew, maybe then better than any. He's such a kind of a meek man and everything. But one thing about it, when he decided to follow Jesus, it was all in. It was all in. So you have to wonder about uh, Matthew, knowing that uh, his profession before he met Jesus was that a, as a tax collector. When Jesus gets up and gets talking about money, I can just him saying, go for it, Jesus. By the way, if you live in Whiteside County, your taxes are due next week. Uh, <laughs> But Matthew knew how important money was. And so we have to deal with this issue about money before we go into the issue of worry. I know there's a lot of things besides money we're concerned about and we think about and we tend to worry about. You know, if you've, you know, you've got, you know, we, we get bad medical reports. We get uh, bad news from our job and, and uh, lots of things can cause worry and concern and and um, I think back if you're a parent, you know, maybe that first time that the, the kids took out your car, you remember? 
lay in a wank or maybe not even in bed and waiting for the car to hit that driveway. And, and uh, remember those days? Remember those days? And we never had to worry about that. Our son was a coon hunter. And um, so he was out a lot. Sometimes they lose their dogs, you know. So they had to find their dog before they came home. So he was late. And then that's the story he told us anyway. I don't know how much is that true, but that's the story we got. So let's look and see what Jesus seemed to be teaching us about money. We have to back up to verse 19. He says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Store for yourselves, not treasures on earth, but treasures in heaven. We know what can happen on this earth. We know how, if we have put our security in money, how jobs can be lost, companies go under. Uh, you know, we had three big banks go under here in the last few months. Uh, there is no security in money. There is no security in money. It, you can have it one day, it can be gone the next day. A lot of things can happen. We cannot place our security in money. And Jesus tells us, Place it in things that are earthly in heaven. And I thought, well, Jesus, what do you mean? What do you mean by saying store up for your things in heaven? What's that practically mean? Well, so I thought I'd go down to these words here of Jesus. He said, for I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Are these things examples of storing up treasures in heaven? Examples of storing up treasures in heaven? And Jesus lays them right down here. And he goes on to say, Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty? And give you something to drink? When did you, we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whenever you did this to the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. How do we have treasures in heaven? By doing these very things Jesus told us to. We can look at him. Hungry? Thirsty? Clothing, sick, in prison. We do those things, we're, going, we're storing up treasures in heaven. He goes on to say, The king will reply, I tell you the truth. What, uh, I just read that. You did for the least of these. Then he said to those on his left, Depart from me, all you who are cursed, into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. I want to just... This little side note there, you know. You follow all people, you know, you always hear these people saying, uh, why would a loving God send anybody to hell? 
You know, you probably all heard that. Why would a loving God send people to hell? God does not send one single person to hell. Where was hell intended for? It says it right here. He was intended for the devil and his angels. God did not intend for one single person to go to hell. People do that by their own choice. Either they make the right choice or they make no choice. And that's why that. God never intended for one single person to go to hell. Prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I need clothing, you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you? He will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. I think we could even carry that one more and say, you know, when you share with somebody about your journey in life, when you share with somebody about what Jesus changed your life, I believe you're making an eternal investment. When you listen to somebody, when you listen intently to somebody, I think you're making an eternal investment. We can make eternal investments that will last forever as opposed to storing up our money, which will not last. But the world says, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. Right? That's what the world says. That's what the world says. But God says, there's no security in that. And our security is found in him. Oh. You know, one thing about those verses there, they all required action. You notice that? I was hungry. You gave me something. You gave me this. They all required action. Uh, so I don't think that we're, re we're entitled to sit back in our lazy, lazy boy and do nothing. These things all required action. Getting out and doing something. They all required action, everyone. So I think as we go about our are thinking about what are we going to start for eternity, it requires doing. And you know, I'm just not just sitting back, but we need to be doing these things. You ever heard this saying? Money promises what only God can provide. You ever heard that? Money promises what only God can provide. What does money promise? Oh, it promises security. Well, we talked about that. That is not the case. Promises happiness? Well, peace? No, I don't think. I don't think. Only God can provide those things. You know, it's been a long time ago, I guess. We don't hear much about the Rockefellers anymore. Maybe they're all dead. I don't know. Long time ago. But I can remember they asked one of the Rockefellers, how much more do you need? He said, just a little more. Just a little more. And isn't that the attitude of the world? Just a little more. And is there ever a time when you get enough, if that's all you're chasing after? Just a little more. 
Never going to find that. There's no security there soon. You know, I wonder how God measures success. I mean, we know how the world measures success. We know that. The, the biggest you got, the, the brightest, uh, brightest paint you got. And, uh, speaking as a farmer, you know, I think about, uh, we look and see how bright the paint is on our equipment, you know. Who's got the shiniest paint? But how does God measure success? The world says, you know, you're a success if you got the biggest, maybe the biggest bank account. You got the biggest of this, and the biggest of this, and the biggest of this, and the most, and the most. That's how the world measures success. How does God measure success? Do you ever think about how God measures success? You know, as I was thinking about this, I couldn't help thinking about one person. Oh, I, you probably know. Remember Kathy Waller? Remember Kathy Waller? Some of you, I'm sure, don't, don't even know Kathy Waller. She went to church. She passed away maybe six years ago. I don't know. Uh, you know, she had this disease that took her from walking to the cane and the wheelchair and, and eventually bed fast. So, she never quit sending cards. She never quit calling people. She never quit encouraging people. And to me, I look at that woman, I say, God says, that's success. That's success. She, till her dying day, she was calling people. She would send cards. Anybody that in prison, I'm sure got cards from her. I wonder if God doesn't say, that's success. Well, <clears throat> he goes on to say, and I'm going back now to uh, chapter 6 again. Where your treasure is, there will be your heart also. Jesus knows. He knows. When he made these statements, and this is a part of the Sermon on the Mount, he said, where your treasure is. So, you know, maybe we just need to check ourselves and see which one operates more of your time, your effort, your concern. Which one? God or your efforts to make money? Where's your heart? Put your heart in that there. And Jesus knew our hearts, didn't he? He knew our hearts. When we talk about money, he knew our hearts. Well, let's go on then. The eye of the lamp, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then, the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? Talk about spiritual eyes then. What you see is your spiritual eyes. What you see is your spiritual eyes is going to affect how you respond to everything else. So your spiritual eyes is so important. Then he goes on to say this. Hmm. No one, no one can serve two masters. Either he, either he will hate the one and love the other, 
or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. He doesn't leave any wiggle room there, does he? Right down the line, you cannot serve both God and money. So it's going to depend who you want to serve. Who are you devoting your time and your efforts to? Is it to make money or is it to serving God? And I know money is important. We have bills to pay. We have taxes to pay. We have bills to pay. Making money, we have to make money to live. But where's our heart at? It basically is a heart issue. You know, what are we doing with our money? It's a heart issue. Hmm. But work, work, I know we, need, we, we have to work. We have to work. We have to pay our bills. We have to work. Either we put God first and live for him or the temporary things of the world. Because the things of the world are temporary. They're all going to fade away. Either we put God first or the temporary things of the world. Hmm. So, you cannot serve both God and money. And then he goes on to say, we're getting, we're getting into the worry end of it now. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry. Now, this is the first of three times he's going to tell us, do not worry. So, do you think maybe he's trying to get a point over to us? Do not worry. Because this will make the first of three times he's going to tell us this. Do not worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body, more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or weep or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? So the next time you feel like falling into a pit of worry, go bird watching. Go bird watching. You know, those birds, they, you know, they're up in their nest and they just know that God's going to provide. Now, they don't just stay in their nest and... Uh, sit there with their mouth open. No, they get down there and say, no, there's going to be a worm down there. There's a worm down there somewhere. I, I can find that worm because I know God's going to provide me that worm. So, uh, so in much in our lives, we can't just sit back in our lazy boy and say, hey, God, I know you're going to provide for all my needs. I'll just sit here and wait for it. No. We're told many times in the Bible about being lazy, slothing us. Uh, no, we can't get away with, with that. We can't get away sitting back and doing nothing. When we're tempted to worry, go bird watching. You know, and I, uh, <clears throat> I got this little thing out of the Life Application Bible. I like to share with you. Worry may damage your health, disrupt your productivity, negatively affect the way you treat others, and reduce your ability to trust God. We know what worry can do to our lives, our health, don't we? Worry can damage your health, especially if you're a worry wart. You heard that phrase, have you worry wart? Especially if you're a worry wart. It can damage your health. It can. 
So that's one, it's one of the great reasons not to work. And so, <clears throat> so then I wonder, you know, what is, we like to say, well, <clears throat> I don't worry. I'm just intently concerned. Don't we like to say that? Don't we like to say that? Well, it's all right. You know, a concern, an, an explanation for concern was something that drives you to action, drives you to your needs, that you're trusting the Lord. Concern. So when you're concerned about something, you do something about it. You know, you do something. You 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 pick up the phone, you call, you send a note or an email or whatever. But you do something. Concern drives you to action, and it drives you to your needs. Worry does the exact opposite. It causes you to draw inward. It causes you to move away from God because what does worry do? We're told that worry is a lack of faith. So we're not really trusting God is, is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he's going to do when we worry because that draws us inward. But concern, it's all right. Concern causes us to act and to do something. So it's all right to be concerned about because I guess you have to wonder, are we? Doesn't boil down a lot to like a worry, just kind of says, I don't believe my God can handle this. So I have to spend my time worrying about it because I don't really believe God can handle this. Isn't that what worry really does? When you get to the bottom line, I don't think God is big enough to handle my problem. So I need to help him a little bit. I need to worry about this thing which draws me further and further away. Well, we go on then. I'm going to read on. i got to find my place again. <clears throat> Why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and gone tomorrow, is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And now this is the second time he says, Do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Your heavenly Father knows what you need. We're so grateful because God is so, he showers us with blessings. And how many of us wouldn't say, boy, he's went beyond my needs. He's given me so many of my wants. So many of my wants. And, uh, but you know, worry sometimes causes us to shift our wants over into our need category. And he didn't say he promised all those wants. We have to be, <laughs> I done this. I know my wife's saying, you do this, you do this. Because you can shift your needs, convince yourself that this need, this want, is a need. And God's saying, I'm going to provide you with all your needs. 
And when he does this, what do we have to worry about? Then he goes on to say this next word. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. Therefore, third time, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry enough about itself. Each day has enough trouble in his own. When he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added to you. What do you mean all these things? What all the things? Well, back up. What shall we drink? What shall we wear? All these things will be added to you when we seek first the kingdom of God. And then he says, do not worry about tomorrow. After all, you know, you heard this little saying, you know, um, today is the day that you worried about tomorrow. Today is the day that you worried about. Yes, I can't even think how it goes now. It slipped my mind. But, you know, we worry about things so often, and then we, we get past and do they really come to pass? Does all that worry ever help anything? No, probably not. Well, <clears throat> when you have a temptation to worry, that's an invitation to pray. You know, I thought to myself, if I could just get this one thing out of this. When you have the temptation to worry, that's an invitation to pray. So I hate to bring up this subject. <clears throat> Is worry a sin? Somebody say yes. Is worry a sin? Well, a lot of other places in the Bible where Jesus is saying, do not, this and that. He says, do not sin. I mean, do not worry. And a lot of other places in the Bible when he's listing sins, it's that same way. Do not do this. Do not sin. Do not worry. Is it a sin? If it's a sin, what do we do with sin? We repent. We ask forgiveness. We change our direction. So that's an issue with you today. Maybe repenting is needed. Because I do believe it is a sin. I do believe that. We don't, you know, we talk, we kind of make a light a lot of things about worry. You know, we kind of sometimes make a lot of light about it. But if we were to think it was a sin, would we think differently about worry? If we were to think this is a sin against God. I'm not really trusting God. If it was a sin, would we think about it differently? Hmm. Well, I'd just like to share one more verse with you. <clears throat> Do not be anxious or worry about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I believe that says it all right there. I believe that says, you want peace? Trust God. Get worried out of your mind. Trust God. Well... You know, I dug out this old Bible last, last few weeks. Actually, actually, the pastor asked me about three weeks ago, four weeks ago to do this. 
And uh, I know you're probably thinking, you had all that time, and that's the best you can do. Uh, <laughs> but, but I don't know if it's good or not. Uh, the mold things over, the more I mold things over, the more I'm, Is it 11 o'clock? Is that clock right? Gosh, I didn't think I'd have enough to say it. It's 11 o'clock. <laughs> well, <clears throat> well, anyway... I found this thing, and I hadn't used it by it for a long time. I found it back in the flyleaf. I have no idea where it came from. I don't have no idea when I wrote this down. But I read this last night, it just caught me right to the flesh. I had to share with you as I close. Though everyone else may abandon me, <clears throat> And leave me lying in ruin, I will still have an eternal treasure that can never fail me. This treasure isn't a result of my works or efforts. The treasure is Christ, the way, the truth, and the life. Only through Christ. Do I come to the Father? I will hold on to this, live by this, die by this. The treasure is Christ. I will hang on to this, live by this, die by this. It's Christ. It's Christ. Let's pray. Father God, it's Christ. When we boil it all down, when we boil it all down, it's Christ. That's who we want to live for. That's who we want to serve. That's where our heart wants to be tuned to continually. Is Christ. Father, direct our complete attention and thoughts to Christ. Would our, may our whole being be centered around serving Christ. This morning, Lord, I just would pray for each one in this building this morning. Some are here that are on top of the world. Others feel like the world's on top of them. Lord, would you just come and would you just lay a hand on the shoulder of each one here today. Wherever their need might be, whatever they're struggling with, whatever they're praising you for, would you just touch their shoulder and let them know, I am continuing with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Will you be the God of everyone here today? We may trust you. We may rely upon you. We may live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.